What's up everyone? This is Pastor Sam. And this is Danny. And together we're exploring the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. That's right. So we are in chapter 4. You know, as we've been talking about this podcast, hopefully, uh, you know, everyone has been enjoying it, has been um, taking, getting a chance to kind of sit down and, and work through it. Um, as we said, we're going to have an opportunity to answer any questions that anyone has on the podcast. So if you have questions about anything that we've talked about in the first three, feel free to drop that for us. But today we're going to be talking about uh, chapter four. And chapter four is, is all about, uh, at least the first half is broken down into the call for unity. And the second half, the second part of the pericope um, talks about the new life that we have in Christ. We've been talking about this uh, this book of Ephesians, this letter of Ephesians, broken down into three sections. Uh, the blessings of the church, which was chapter 1. The universality of the church, which is chapter 2, verse 2, chapter 3. And then we're in the obligations of the church, which is the second half of this book. And, and today's section talks about unity, at least the first 16 verses of it. So we're going to dive into in today's section on... On unity and, and and Paul is kind of like open up as he's has he's been opening up, he opens up with a call, right? Mm-hmm. What, what does he say, Sam? What, what does he tell us? Well, he's saying to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, and then he gives some ways into that. He's like he's making that that urge. You must walk in that manner of the calling. Then he says, and this is how you ought to walk it: in humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So he kind of gave you a little bit of like, okay, yeah. this is the call and this is how you ought to do it. Yeah, the but, idea of calling, it actually goes back to the beginning of the book, right? In chapter sure. 1, where he mm-hmm. says, God has called us to himself so, mm-hmm. uh, by grace. And he's blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavens. And, and now we're, now, now we have to live worthy of that privilege, worthy of that calling that mm-hmm. Paul is saying here. Like I said, the call to unity, uh, he begins by exhorting them to, to, to preserve their unity, right? Unity, unity is an interesting word here because a lot of times we feel like we, we create unity, but we don't. Well, like, so it says here, eager to do what? Maintain. Maintain. Maintain yeah. the unity. Exactly. Of the spirit. So, so like, I think the manner in which you walk, what you walk in, what, the worth of that walk it is actually a maintenance of that which you have already received. Yes. So you're right. Most people think that unity is an action of ours. Yes. But it is it's not. It is not. It is actually an action of the Spirit that has been given to us to maintain it. It's something that God has already done. Our job is to maintain it. And that unity is extended through us from God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Spirit, right? That's mm-hmm. the unity mm-hmm. that we've been invited to, mm-hmm. and we're to maintain that unity. and. And when Jesus gave his life to create the church, he, his word to instruct the church, the Holy Spirit to sustain it, he made the church part of that unity, part of that unification of the Godhead. Uh, in John 17, 21, we read some of that. Jesus is part divine and divine and unified Godhead and the church through the cross, the word, the Holy Spirit is part of Jesus. So uh-huh. therefore the church, you and I today talking, those listening, those who are Christians, we are Part those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ, yeah, we are part of that unity, yes. And and usually walking, it is action for mm-hmm. sure, 
but it's very like a visible action. It's something that you're like, it is not discreet. It, it is like a, out on your face, I'm walking, you can see it. But here's the thing about this word walk, right? Uh, we have Logos here, which is Bible software that I like to use. So my studies, uh, Dennis has uh, also, is part of this and knows of it. But here's the thing then, when you open Logos and you highlight the word walk there, it tells you this, some information that is important. Mm -hmm. It is a verb, is a erst, verb active and infinite infinitive right mm -hmm. so is a verb is an action infinitive means it's, it's it continue to go right and is an action is active the part that is important is the word aorist here the word aorist means conveys a single action but a discrete action it means that it's a discrete action so it's not like here you are parading down the street necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's not about a boastful thing. It's not about something that you do to demonstrate, to boast and to show your superiority, your spiritual superiority. That's not policy. Like, listen, you are, I urge you to walk in this manner worthy of the calling. There is a way of walking that glorifies God, that, that points people to God. But this is not a parade down the street. This is something that you do differently. And he goes on in contrast with that to support that. He says, in humility, gentleness, patience, and in love. People who are humble, gentle, patient, and loving, they're not parading down the street how good of a Christian they are. No. When you start dictating how superior you are to someone else on your Christian walk, on the calling that you have, what do you start to create right there? There are some superiors and then there are some yeah. that are what? Inferior. Yeah. And Paul's trying to say here, look, look, this manner of walking here is a gentle one. It is mm -hmm. not one that you're, it is a discreet action. It is an action for sure. It's a walk for sure. But it's not a walk where you have high heels and, and <laughs> hats and I don't know. I'm just trying to make it up. Someone yeah. who, who, you know, who's parading down the street and everybody sees it. That's not what Paul's trying to say. Uh, so partially to maintain the unity of the spirit is to is to be humble about it, is to be discreet about this work. It's not about to be yelling in people's face or pointing the finger about the differences. No, 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 no. It's a humility thing. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think one of the things is like when it comes to that, right? Um, it's our attitude, right? Mm. How we how sure. we live, how we walk. We're not trying to be like, well, I'm better than you, and, and that's what I like this section here. Also, he says that. In verse three says, "Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace." Mm -hmm. Right, bond of peace is, is interesting because what's the what's the opposite of peace? War, war, conflict, right? Mm -hmm. And that's who we once were. We were in conflict, and because of this that he's talked about, he's given us the content, the the the, the doctrine itself in the first three chapters of, "Hey, here's how you are. Here's who you. Here's what what you've been given to you. Now live that out." Mm -hmm. And um. But I want to make a distinction between two things here with unity, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times we, 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 we sometimes confuse unity with conformity. Oh. Yeah. So give me share with me your thoughts about conformity versus unity. Oh, why don't you go <laughs> to put me on a spot here? Uh, 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 why don't you give us what is the difference between? I don't want to give the wrong answer here. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's fair enough. Fair enough. I think conformity is sameness, right? Um, we're, it's we're, we're in a sense, it's a, a harmony where you lose your own identity exactly. just to be able to get to appease whatever whoever is saying something. Right, it's and a that, loss of for me. Conformity is a loss of identity. Exactly, that's exactly what. It is. That's not what we're called to, 
Mm-hmm. We all have a unique, we're uniquely identified, we have a unique identities in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And he's called us to unity as a result of all those uniqueness as we think about the, if we, that's why the church is called the body. Sure. It's so important, right? Like every part plays a role into whole. If every part conform, if I wanted to be the, my strong arm right here, I can't walk around with just a strong arm. I sure. need, I need sure. feet. I need, mm-hmm. I need other parts. So it's not about conforming and being the same. It's about being unique, but also being in in unity, not breaking that bond of peace in a sense. Ooh, in can, conflict. I uh, can I be controversial here? Like, isn't that? What, I mean, I've been trying. I've been doing this on on and off on this podcast and different ones. Yeah. Like one of the whole point of socialism is conformity. <laughs> yeah. Right. Everybody do the same thing. Everybody's equal in the same thing. Like there's all these things that like is pretty non-biblical, <clears throat> right? If everybody would wear the same clothes, march the same way, and <laughs> then you are in a cult, then you are you starting to get yourself in some pretty crazy places right there. Yeah. Right. God is not asking us to 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 not, conform. Not to conform. No, yeah. Maintain so, unity. I mean, if I maybe a lighter sense, you know, in the sense like conformity. Think of like McDonald's restaurants, right? Mm-hmm. All the restaurants serve the same thing, the mm-hmm. same meal, mm-hmm. same things. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's conformity. Like mm-hmm. no matter where you go, you're gonna get the same thing. That's right. Unity, on the other hand, is the experience of sharing, mm-hmm. right? And we share similar hope, similar mm-hmm. leader, mm-hmm. and similar ideals. And the mm-hmm. idea of sharing becomes the basis. Of a unity, not the effort to be all the same, and mm-hmm. that's what verses four and six Paul will give us. He gives us seven objectives that 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 we that we all share in unity with one another. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll list those seven out here. He says that we're one body. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he said there's only one there's only one group saved, one church in God's eyes. Mm-hmm. That's those of us who are in Christ, right? If you've been following us, coming on Sunday morning. In that hula hoop view, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have one spirit, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit, His mm-hmm. work and His influence. Mm-hmm. We have one hope, salvation and the effects of all of that. We have one Lord, who is Jesus Christ. There's mm-hmm. no other by which we are saved. Acts Amen. four twelve tells us that. Mm-hmm. Uh, one faith, mm-hmm. which is the teachings that we have through the Bible, through Jesus, through the apostles. We have one baptism. Right, one baptism, only one baptism, immersion in the name of Jesus Christ, Acts two thirty eight. We get that from. Is it important to remind people the word baptism is the word for immersion? There's immersion. no other kind of baptism. There is no yeah. sprinkling. There is no. Yeah. There's no pouring. There's no, no pouring, pouring. No sprinkling. It's immersed. It's a fully. That's why. It, no speeding. <laughs> no spitting. I, I've heard of spitting too. <laughs> no, there is a spitting. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. You were you were you were telling me that. So uh, no, there is one. The word one <laughs> baptism is one immersion. That's the word here. Yes. But the word baptism. Baptizo. Is, yeah. It's a, it's a trans. It's a, it's a, it's a transliteration of the word. They didn't have a word for it, so they made up one. Yeah. And then um, one God, God the Creator of heaven and earth, the mm-hmm. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The one who sent Jesus. So mm-hmm. gives us those seven things that we are that we are all in in union with one well, another. I think when it comes you, to I, you gotta finish one God and Father of all. Yo, Father I think of that's all. important. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I was sticking with the one theme. Okay, so sounds good. <laughs> sound I like. I just needed to 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 bring it up. The Father of all. I know so many of us have problems with the word Father, uh, yeah. but. Uh, God as the Father cannot compare to our earthly fathers so in in, yeah. in any way, shape, or form. But no, and, and Paul's point and giving all these things here in this section of the passage, 
um, is to unite us to Christ, mm -hmm. to God, and to one another. And they are at the center that hold us together as one. I like this, this part where Paul, Paul says, you know, the Father who is over all uh, and through all and in all. Paul is just trying to remind everyone that nothing here escapes mm -hmm. the hand of God. Uh, you know, nothing here is according to the flesh, but it's all a blessing from God. God is over all and He blesses it all and He sustains it all. So just trying to bring everyone together again in Jesus, but to bring it and to understand that God is is all. Um, not profound, but it's important to be highlighted that. Uh, and then what do you do with verse 7? I love verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Yeah, so I mean, when I look at the, this the breakdown of the passage, I see verses 1 through 3 as the call to unity, right? Sure. Uh, verses 4 through 5 as the basis of unity. And then the second part, verses 7 through, I would say, 13, maybe even 14, talks about how God helps us keep that unity. And that's where grace kind of comes in, mm. right? He said, each of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. See, we can't do it on our own. It's not on our own effort to maintain unity. God has to help us. He has to help Amen. us. And he gives us certain gifts that he provides. And this is what Paul goes on to describe here in the rest of the section. We'll see that um, the perceived gifts in regards to unity and maintaining, each person has received that gift, which is grace, in order to contribute to the unity that already exists in verses 7 through 10. This grace is given by Christ to each and every one according to his ability, his or her ability, and according to his ability, God's ability, to give all these gifts. And this is how we're able. Paul, how, does, how, does, how is God able, how is Jesus able to give us his gifts? Paul, Paul quotes an Old Testament passage we were talking about earlier, 68. 68, yeah, 68. Psalm 68, 18. Yeah. Now, it is, it is in, in the time, it is um, for when you go to battle, go to war, is to bring back some of the, the spoils and distribute, right? In sure. that time. One of the things that I, I, I liked, often like to bring about this is that, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The, the, the measurement there, what is given, who gets, and what gets, and how much it is getting. <laughs> It's not based on who you are or I am. It's based on what? Who Christ is. To who Christ is. So if Paul has earlier said that you have been gifted every 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 single gift, the best gifts ever, it is, you know what? You mm -hmm. have been get the richest of these blessings, these spiritual blessings. You got to have it. You got it all. You got these blessings, this unfathom, uh, this thing that you can even describe. If God has lavished that on you, just know that what you got is good. What you yeah. got is exactly what you need. What you got is exactly what God has had for you. There is no competition on. I've seen Christians compete about the, you know, what gifts they have and how much they have and how good they are. It's like what in the world? Well, and not only that, you did nothing to receive. You weren't better better than somebody else. That's why you got what you got. Yeah, I mean, I like the idea when you said like spiritual gift. What is a spiritual gift, right? I, love, I mean, to your point, like it's not. It's not like. You're going to be better than me, or I'm going to be better than you. A spiritual gift is, the, is a spiritual ability to be used in the service to God's people for the expansion of His kingdom. Mm. None of that is, has to do with me, mm. about expanding who I am, expanding what I can do. It's all about expanding, and this used to be to be used in the service of God for His people to expand 
this kingdom. Paul talks about the inscribable gift we have been that God has given to us in 2 Corinthians 5:15, uh, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10, as each one has received a special gift employed in the service of one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Romans 11:29 talks about the gifts of God as God calling us and giving us those gifts and it's irrevocable. Romans 12 talks about uh, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So like we have different gifts, but God is going back to what I was telling earlier, like God has given us this gift for a purpose, which is why you bring it up, is to glorify Him and to build up in the church. So, and then Paul in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about, right, there are, there are a variety of gifts, but only one spirit. Like all, there is several gifts, but it all comes from one person, and, and that's the Spirit. And it's given to us in order for us to do what you're saying. Serve God's people and expand the kingdom. Yeah. God is empowering us. He's enabling us, empowering us to carry out that which He has called us, that's which He has purposed us for. So there is no superiority here. There is no superiority of gifts. There is no... There is just gifts that are given accordingly by God to everybody so that everyone, when it comes together in unity, when it maintains the unity, all comes together in order to produce a beautiful cake. Yeah, I like cake. It's like, you know, it's like you need a ton of <clears throat> ingredients coming together in the right in the right way in order to be able to make what? A nice cake, mm -hmm. right? Uh, I know his analogy here may even be silly, but reality is the body of Christ, when it comes together with all the ingredients, with all the gifts, when they all come together, produce beautiful pictures, produce beautiful action, produce beautiful words, produce beautiful environments. It just allows people to thrive and the church to glorify Jesus. Um, so um, it is important that we understand that. Yeah, so Paul, Paul then gives us, uh, he talks about the different gifts he mentioned. I think we should just, list the, just, just mention them real briefly here. Uh, he talks about the apostles, mm -hmm. right? They, uh, mm -hmm. the, they were the messengers chosen by Christ to witness. Um, then there were the prophets. They were they were different kinds of prophets, right? There was different kinds of Old Testament prophets like Isaiah, Council Kings, foretold of future events concerning the nation of Israel, the coming Messiah, and so forth. New Testament prophets also foretold the future. Um, then he talks about evangelists. Mm -hmm. uh, those are... Uh, those who, those who proclaim the good news, we are all evangelists in, in a sense, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And pastors and teachers, um, those who would uh, teach God's word to God's people. Uh, so those are, the, those are the four that I, that I kind of pulled out from this next section that he talked about. Um, we know there's, there's many more, there's other gifts that we've been given to, but these are the, the headings, I would say, from this section of pericope. I mean... I don't know what else. Uh, I think you you good there. The only thing we didn't touch that might be a little bit of controversy in here. You wanna you jump right over. I didn't know. If no, you go, go, for go, go for you it. Go for it. You go for it. You go for it. You go for it. I don't wanna be blamed for it later on. You you bring it up, and I I write it in my controversy the other day, calling a communism a conformity with communism and socialism. <laughs> I'm gonna do that, but um. No, it, it is that, that verse 8, right? When yeah, he yeah. ascended on high and he led a host of captives and he have gifts and he gave gifts to men. Uh, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. 
So, I mean, that has been somewhat controversial. Uh, I mean, we were talking about it a little earlier, uh, and I said that the most significant interpretation difficulty in this verse is, is this deciding what the word lower parts of the earth refers to, yeah. right? Uh, so there's different uh, interpretation for that. One says that he went to the underworld, that Christ went to hell, Hades, Hades in the underworld, right? And then there, the other four Give a spanking down there, right? Yeah, he he's <laughs> took Satan down, got the belt, and but the other ones is this: is that the phrase refers to the incarnation and death of Christ, that is the descent to earth. Yes. That's the third one is it refers to Christ's burial, death, uh, following his death. That's another one. And the third one, final interpretation that many scholars do is it refers to the coming of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. So the three, the four interpretation is Jesus went down to Hades, mm -hmm. to hell, to inferno. Uh, the second one is that he, uh, the, phrase, the phrase referred to the incarnation of, when, and the he, death of came, Christ, yeah. that he came here. And then uh, the third one, he refers to Jesus' death being under the seven foot underground. Is that it? Mm -hmm. And then the the fourth one is um, that refers to the coming of the the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, meaning that He's here indefinite now through the Holy Spirit. So, um, what what do you got? Those are the what people say. Yeah, I mean, as with those things, those are definitely topics that kind of you know, itches your ears, right? In the sense, like, ooh, what 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 happened? Like, yeah, uh, people <clears throat> really got caught up into that, which. The point of the passage is what we're just talking yeah. about. But <laughs> in the unit, because you have some gift that glorifies God, exactly. you heard what the gifts are. Those gifts were received to you because what Jesus, the victory that Jesus provided for you. And so people got caught up on trying to figure out how did that victory happen? Did yeah. he go down to hell? Or did he, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, those things obviously has its, has its place for discussion. In, mm -hmm. in, the, in the right circles and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But I think for the purpose of what Paul is really explaining it, that takes away from the message that he's really trying to highlight for us here, mm -hmm. is that we need to we need to maintain unity. We need to be united. Um, you know, I was thinking of this uh, analogy. I was reading about this analogy about what what it looks like, and it says that it says that each of us were to mature, right? Like growing in, growing into maturity, mm -hmm. we no longer be little children. And it talks about the unity. It says in California, there's these uh, large um, redwood trees. You ever heard of the redwood trees in California? No. Large, large redwood trees. They grow massive in size and they're ancient in age. Mm -hmm. um, the secret to the stability and growth is that their roots intertwine and underground, they're all interconnected. Oh, um, really? They're all interconnected. And you can't mess with one without messing with the whole growth. Oh, wow. See, when fierce winds blow, they, they, their connectedness allows them to borrow from one another and grow stronger. Hmm. See, this is what Paul's really saying here with the body of Christ and this analogy of unity, right? Mm -hmm. How many times do we, instead of maintaining unity, we create disunity? And I say that to say this, trying to figure out exactly what this verse meant, what does that do? Oh, okay. You just gave four different, different views. views that created disunity. Yeah. That's, Which is that, against what the verse this, is trying this to This is exactly, so that's why, like, you know, it, it's it, we got to be careful in how we talk about things, how we look at things, how we interpret the passage, because 
if we do that, then we're doing the opposite of what Paul is telling us the Spirit is doing in us. And, and it's the whole point that he's saying there's one body, there is one, one and, 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 that's and the, the one the, there's one person who distributes the gifts, yes. and then he goes, and the gifts are for what? For equipping the saints for the work of ministry, for building up that body. So yeah. it's like, this is all about things working together yeah. for a purpose that God has given. Uh, and then he says, until we all attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood uh, to the measure of the statutes of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed back and fro by the waves and, and carried about by the every wind of doctrine by men by human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes but rather they speak the truth in love so Paul's like listen I'm telling you about these gifts I'm telling this to do it humbly, to walk in a, in a manner that is quiet, that is just pres is, is present, consistent, but quiet. It's not about boasting, but in humility, so that people would grow and mature. Yeah, I think what you're leaning on there is like, listen, the cost of unity is discomfort. Oh, that... right. Uh, it's not easy maintaining love. It's not easy being patient. It's not easy being gentle. It's not easy to be... To, to be in same in unity with someone that you that you disagree with, right? But that's why we have to re remain on the fact that we have one faith, one God, one hope, one Lord. This is why conformity is so appealing to everyone, mm -hmm. because we say we want everyone to conform to exactly what we should be, but God is not calling us to that. No, not at all. He, he's calling us for peace, to peace for sure, uh, but not to conform. Uh, you, so, you know what I found the greatest task that we have as Christians is done, done. the greatest task that we have as Christians is to maintain unity and oneness by loving one another despite of our differences. You know, isn't that what we as ministers do most with it at times is <laughs> helping people understand that you can have different <clears throat> thoughts, you can have different uh, lifestyles and even opinions about how to live life but you have to be able to do what maintain unity maintain unity through it all you can't be killing relationships uh, that God has given you because you think your idea or your lifestyle is better than someone else's now of course Paul, right. Paul does bring some kind of uh, you know a model to believe he says Walking in a manner worthy of the calling. So there is, there is a specific way that Christians ought to walk. And chapter 5 really tells you that. We don't want to get in there. But it really kind of tells you like, you know, uh, there is to walk in life. But before even uh, walking off, but even before it tells you, this, there is a new life you need to pick it up. Mm -hmm. Like there is a new way of living that God affords us. That allows us to work in, walk in this manner. That there's some things you have to put it away. Everybody has to put it away. Not because it's a conformity, but it be, is because it is more of what God has always intended for us, right? Uh, so um, to contrast it on later on in chapter four, it's like you know you you can walk in love or you can walk in anger. You gotta put anger down and pick up on love a little bit more. Yeah, and, and, and what you're leaning on, actually, I really like this section here because before we jump to the next section talk sure. about putting on a new life, mm -hmm. is that when we do those things, despite of our differences, and we walk in a man that's worthy of the call, right? 
um, the true test of the, this is a true test of discipleship because what Jesus said in John, in John 13, 35, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What is that love? It's the way that we walk, the way that we maintain unity, even in spite of our differences. But you're right. We have to walk according to the call. It's not a walk according to my, my way or your way. It's according to the call that we have. And Paul has given us that conduct, like you said, the rest of the chapter 5 and 6 is going to give us. But you can only, you can only walk in this way and, 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 and pursue peace, not conformity, is, is to mature. Which is, I think, what he's... No, yeah. I don't think what he's saying. He's saying he's... That you would mature, yeah. right? Stop being childish. I mean, I have three kids at the house, and they argue about the most silly things ever. <laughs> They're always finding boast about the most silly thing ever, ever. The other day, they were, they were arguing about how to chew a cookie. Huh? <laughs> Are you kidding me? How to chew a cookie? I'm sitting there, and they're arguing about chewing a cookie. And I'm like... Whoa, 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 what? How, is there now a better way of chewing the cookie? How to buy the cookie? I'm, I'm like, okay, this is, this is crazy. What kind of conversation? What are you adding it up to it? Right? Uh, you know, like, maybe a cookie connoisseur will tell you exactly how. But I have, I have none of those at home. Okay? Cookie so, connoisseur. Yeah, I don't know. Is, is that such a thing? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You know, so... So the whole idea here is that you would not fall into these crazy, dumb conversations that will lead to division, but rather that you would speak the truth in love and grow up together because you are maturing and you're seeing that things that God is doing through you is working together, working properly yeah. to see each one benefit from the conversations we have, from the actions we are doing. So it goes from unity to maturity, which is what we are going to go second, I think, to the end of this, to morality, right? Yeah. There is this progression in the life of someone that goes in that way. But it always starts with the unity that we already have, that we ought to maintain. What are you thinking? No, I, I think, think you're right. I think that's, um, you know, we, we all can't be on milk the whole time, right? A baby can't stay an infant the whole time. The baby matures. So if you think about as, you know, physical... A physical growth that has to happen, you know, from birth to like, you know, my son is 18, going to be 19 here in a little bit. Uh, it's maturity, right? It's growing. And then you have um, the other side of that is the spiritual. On mm -hmm. the spiritual side, when, when, you, when you first hear the gospel, you're an infant, right? But you have to mature. Well, what is the point of a baby? Growth. <laughs> growth, yes. If, if a baby's not growing, <clears throat> what happened? Baby's not growing. <laughs> you know all about know. babies. You know all about babies. You know, uh, you know. We all know that if, if you're having a baby, if if the baby's in the be the, the belly of the mom, you're expecting, you want it, and you're praying for the baby to do what? Keep growing. To keep, keep growing. Keep growing. Keep hitting milestones, right? When you go to the doctor, they're like, you're at ten weeks. You know, at what this, happened the, at ten weeks, Danny? Ten weeks, you can start to like see things, like the arms start to form, oh, little, cool. little things kind of come up. At twelve weeks, they can actually tell you what the gender of your baby is and do tests and tell you all these different yeah, things. Look at you, you know all about this stuff. So babies, when they they're in the belly, they're growing, right? And then they come out of the belly. What they continue to grow? To do? Grow. To grow, right? You wanna, that's the whole point. That's the whole, the whole point. So it's not different with us as followers of Jesus. Uh, we, we are we are to grow, and, and and the body of Christ grows 
as we grow, which is one thing we don't we, we don't we don't talk about this. As we mature, so the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. The more mature we are, the less we allow God's body to develop. It, it is a it is a responsibility of the individual to grow in Christ, so the body of Christ will grow. And the reason for that is because when the wind blows, when things come, when we get attacked. We're interconnected. We stand strong. We don't mm -hmm. fall apart. Mm -hmm. What we see happening over and over again in, in, in churches and, and even in some of the things that we see locally here is like the body of Christ is not interconnected. There's not that unity. Mm -hmm. So when there's a, when the enemy comes once, he doesn't have to keep coming back because he's already disrupted unity and created disunity. And, and that's his whole goal mm -hmm. is, to, is, to, is, to, is to create disunity. But God is a God of war. Amen. And he he's and in him we have unity and when we step out of those bounds mm -hmm. is then we create the space for a bond of peace to go back into conflict which is outside of what he's called us to and, and that's why this next section here that really talks about is putting on a new self right mm -hmm. put on a new self and um, Paul talks about the the second obligation is is the need for us to be righteous or holy mm -hmm. see the church is holy because God is holy. The church is righteous because God is righteous. And to be righteous or holy means that we conduct ourselves in a particular way. We react to things in a, in a specific way. Mm -hmm. And Paul is explaining this idea with the comparison. He says that Christians don't act like what? Non-Christians. Non -Christian, yeah. We don't act like non-Christians. We don't walk like non-Christians. We, 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 we have a new way, a new pattern. Um, the problem is that what is in our minds sometimes is, is a false sense of of that we can continue to keep one foot in in the mm -hmm. world mm -hmm. and one foot out you know one foot in the church one foot in the world and hopefully our walk looks this looks kind of good but you know we, we, we can't do that we can't teeter-totter no yeah and i think and and it's important like you know let me do the nerd thing here again yeah. right, right like he says now this i say test and testify in the lord that you must no longer no longer walk I talked about walk in the first the, yeah. the first verse said walk here yeah. again walk but it's different though look at how it's different now now it's still a verb right mm -hmm. but it's present active and infinitive which means you continue on walking you never stop walking in this way the other one it didn't give you that connotation I just said listen don't be boasting about how you go down the street it's not about <laughs> boasting how you go down the street right on this one is like now you keep going down the street and never stop going down the street there is no rest for the weary here you just keep on walking so it says you now this I say testify the Lord that you must no longer walk as a Gentile in the futility of their minds so if to if that verb walk is means to continue to walk without stopping when he put it on again in the negative here, no longer walk. He's saying, don't ever, ever walk as a Gentile. This is not who you are. This is not what you have. This is something that's have taken place here. So when if 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 the verb is a present pass, uh, the verb is a present active and infinitive means that you never stop. So mm -hmm. he say you never stop not being a Gentile. Something else needs to take place in your life. Has taken place in your life. And then he goes on and says what it is, is in the futility of their mind, right? So like, th there's some kind of a corruption of the mind that happens when we are not in Christ, right? So 
he say the futility of their minds. Uh, you know, it, which, what do you think that would be? I, I, what, what it means to have a futile mind? What, what, what do you think he's trying to, to uh, portray here for us, you know? Um, I mean, you know, misunderstanding, godlessness, ignorance, hard hearts, uh, sensuality, impurity. You know, never appet never ending appetite for greed. These are things that are f futile, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he he says they are darkened in their understanding, right? Alienated from life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. So, Paul is like, there's a there's a heart problem there that affect their mind. Mm -hmm. So, and they can their minds can never be changed, can never be transformed because of it they have become callous and have given themselves up to sexuality greedy practice of every kind of impurity but it's so he's like this is the way these people have lived that you should not participate dark minds has to do with the with the head separated from the life of christ has to do with the head right the opposite of that which we'll talk later on but i'll say is the truth of christ having a renewed mind Mm -hmm. The heart part is really destroyed here. So he says a callous mind, a new heart, means that it's a soft heart towards what God has for them. And then there is, you know, the product of sin in that, which is what, what sin produces in us, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think one of the things we're leaning on here, there has to be transformation, right? Life transformation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, where we no longer are thinking in the way that you just talked about, all those different ways, like dark mind, dark heart, hardened hearts. And to think about walking in that new way, and he's saying, hey, now that you have this, let me tell you some things that you need to put on. There's sure. some things that you need to do. Mm -hmm. Here's some things that you need to have in your way. And, and you're going to be righteous. You need to be holy, right? And all of these things, there are features of that. And, and I think, um, what, verse, what verse were you on there reading there? 19, uh, 17 to 19. <clears throat> Uh, verse twenty, he starts shifting his language. Yeah, that's um, what, yeah. So he starts he starts giving them like, hey, but that is not the way you learn Christ. That mm -hmm. is not the way that you're to carry on. I, I love the word that you say that learned. <laughs> so he, here's before it's like, no, this is testified that you must no longer walk in this way, right? It's all an action thing, mm -hmm. like right? You you act is an action thing, you know. Like when I hear the word learn, even though it's a verb. It's a nose active verb, it's an aorist verb that I said again, this is a, like a discrete thing. It's active, it's indicative, it's pointing to what you're learning because mm -hmm. it's indicating what it is. So it's like, it's a verb, aorist, active, indicative. So it means that you ought to do this discreetly, but it's pointing to who you're learning. So you're learning Christ, it's pointing a finger, it's indicative, it's pointing a finger, you're learning Christ. It is an active, but it's... It is a mind thing, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes knowledge uh, is demonstrated by how you walk. Knowledge is demonstrated by how you walk. So when he says here, uh, but that is not the way you learn Christ, man, like there is a educational aspect of Christianity that one must be willing to undergo to in order to be able to walk as you're supposed to walk. And here is for me the biggest problem of Christianity is that most people are not afforded the time to learn Christ. 
a time to learn what it means to be in Christ, what it means to walk like Christ, what it means to have this new life. They're just expected overnight to yeah. do it. Yeah, we actually talked about that before too, in the other podcast. We said, like, mm-hmm. why, why don't we create opportunity for Christians to grow and learn? Right, like we when we, we we have this idea, we have to get them to the point where they accept Christ as their savior, mm-hmm. and then the next day we expect them to be theologians, mm-hmm. expect them to know how to live, know how to think. It's it's an ongoing thing. It's a learn product. It's a growth thing, and 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 that's what, and that's what we're called. That's what that's what the church is to help too as well, right? A lot of those parts that we talked about. He says that that is not. It's like you know you you don't put on the old clothes. In a new, in a new, in a new light, right? You have a new wardrobe in a sense. Sure. Now I got to show you where that wardrobe's at. Here, you want to use this. And this you is wanna when, wear, when, when it's cold. Wear. When it's cold, you yeah. wear a sweatshirt. Exactly. When when it's windy out there, you you, wear this, this is what right? you wear. Yeah. When it's raining, this is what you got. When it's hot, put yeah. on, on some tank tops or whatever. Yeah. You know, like if you're ignorant because and not understanding. How are you gonna kill that? Like a vegan rest and understanding that he says on verse 18. Well, you gotta learn something else. You gotta learn Christ, right? So um, you gotta unlearn some things, right? <laughs> and 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 when you learn Christ, you replace those old habits with new ones, and those are the way that we said you learn you learn the Christ-like way. I mean, I heard one of the theologians said we're all little Christ. Yes, little, little Christ. Yes, uh, yes, Lucy, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to we need to we need to now think about that and how we live our lives. I mean, one last thing to talk about those who are darkened, like you know, they don't have divine divine perspective, right? How would they? They have none. So, but we now we have a divine perspective, so we have to live in light of that. Mm-hmm. And, and I, verse twenty one is an interesting one for me because he say, says, but that's not the way you learn Christ. That's not how you learn this. That's not how you thought about Christ. And then he says, assuming that you heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ. So put your old self, uh, put off your old self. So I, I like that. Let me go back to assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Christ to put off your old self. So Paul is like, I'm talking to you here, but I'm not so sure you have heard about this yet. But if you have, have no, you have no excuse. <laughs> I think he gives a little bit of li- like liaison. He gives a little bit of opening. So like, I'm assuming you heard it. Maybe you haven't heard it before. But if you were hearing it for this first time, it is important to know this, that you got to put it off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. And it's, cor- and it's corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of uh, in the spirit of your mind, and put a new self created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So I love that part. Paul was like, "Well, maybe you haven't heard it yet, but let me tell you right now. <laughs> right? I'm gonna give you the recipe. <laughs> so, so if you if you come with the excuse that you haven't heard it yet, that's fine. Let me give it to you right now. Put the old stuff away." It's no longer your new your reality. You have a new reality, and that new reality is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So put your old self away, pick up the truth that is found in Christ. You no longer be the, your form. You no longer belong to that old way of doing things, those old desires. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Pursue the renewal of the spirit in the mind. 
that will give you a new self. Yeah, and I, I think like, you know, um, for this section right here, verses 25 through 32, Paul is really giving us a, a proper attitude we're to have towards others, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, he gives a list, not a complete one, but he gives a list of attitudes that immediately identify one who is in the household of faith, who is in Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about learning Christ. Hey, you don't know it? I'm, I'm going to teach you. Here are some things, right? Um, you know, he talk, there's four things I talk when I think about um, what this looks like. The life uh, righteously. This where we live righteously uh, when we when we think about being Christ-like. Mm. It means our life is full of sincerity. We're honest with everyone. We're honest about everything. We're not dishonest people. We don't break tie. We don't we don't destroy unity. We continue to engage in unity. When it comes to friendship, especially in the church, mm. uh, then Paul continues his list by talking about peacefulness. You know, it is impossible to avoid anger. Trust me, I've struggled with anger a lot, but a child of God, a child of Christ, always works towards peace as the first priority. I've always said, don't let the don't let the sun go down on your anger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't have to get closure before the end of the day. <laughs> this is just an expression. It means That's that. Good. It means that to not let your anger go beyond this time. It'll go beyond its time. Yeah. Um, You know, another feature of the righteous life is a sense of responsibility. Mm. Uh, In other words, a faithful Christian is known for being a giver, not a taker. Right? Yes. Uh, yes. Saints work to give and share with others, not to simply hoard what they have been given by God. You know, a lot of times we, we hoard things, we keep things, but, you know... Uh, we need to recognize that a righteous life has, a, has comes with a sense of responsibility too. And finally, Paul mentions you know glorious speech and mercy as two of the hallmarks of a righteous life. Mm. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us grow and serve others in our efforts to grow in unity and love. All you're talking about here, you know what it comes to mind, the word that comes to mind, the, the journey to sanctification. You know, uh, sanctification is actually much in, uh much more than just like a light switch it is this journey that mm-hmm. we have we, it's we an ongoing process it's an ongoing, we have talked about this many times if it's yeah. a, you know if it's sermons or podcasts we have talked and i think that's what paul i think is alluding through this whole thing here is that mm-hmm. you know there is a journey through it all and through that journey you cannot be giving the devil opportunities to be working in your life for the opposite of that you gotta give God uh, the room to continue to be working in your life. That's what it's all about, and I think that's what Paul is trying to do in these parts. Like, there's no more. There must be no more excuse. There, there must be no more excuse. No compromise towards the things that took Christ to the cross. No more. That 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 old way of living that took Christ to the cross cannot we can't compromise about those things anymore mm-hmm. they must take you gotta you gotta embrace what jesus did and the and the results of that in the personal life of a follower of jesus mm-hmm. so anytime you compromise with what jesus has done uh compromise with what took jesus to the cross then is another opportunity for you to crucify christ all over again yeah. So this whole journey of anger, right, like that you were talking about, or, you know, or a corrupted talk, and, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit. It is all Paul, in my opinion, say, don't compromise with those things that already yeah. put Jesus on the cross. 
pick up on something different, something new, that no longer requires Jesus to be put back on the cross. Not that Jesus is going back to the cross every time, it's just, you know, that's yeah. just analogy that I'm using here. So, he's like, don't compromise. When you become a Christian, become a Christian. Just be, mm -hmm. be a man of your word, be a woman of your word. Embrace that which God has. Don't be throwing Jesus back on the cross, but compromise with your old self that has crucified Christ. You know why Christ Jesus died? Because of our old self. Why would you go back, pick up that which crucified Christ? That means there is no repentance, there is no remorse, there is no understanding on your point mm -hmm. of the significance of that lifestyle. Um, we need to let that go. Yeah, and, and that's the thing where it says like, you know, um, let, what's this, do not, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Yeah, verse 30. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, when it comes to church, when, it, when the church is involved, bitterness, anger, strife, harsh mm -hmm. speech, how we mm -hmm. treat each other, mm -hmm. this frustrates the work of the Spirit. And that's what he's talking about, is grieves the Spirit. I think that's what you're, you're yeah, leading what into, right? Like, yeah, yeah. We, we keep we keep crucifying, you know? Yeah. You know, we are going to be disappointed. We are going to be offended. Mm -hmm. and this, But the proper response for the church is mercy, forgiveness, kindness, because you know why? We have to always remember that this is the way God treated us. Mm. This is how He treated the church. This is how mm. He treats the church. Mm. So this is our first recognizable feature of right is the way that members, the way that Christians treat each other, mm. right? Because when we don't do those things, that's what grieves the Holy Spirit. You know, when we don't when we don't respond in that way, in the way that was responded to us, in mercy, kindness, compassion, you know, these are the things that grieves the Holy Spirit. And and you know in John thirteen thirty five says, "This is how all men will know you are my disciples." I, I said that earlier. It's like yeah. it's how you love one another. Mm -hmm. You know, I think um, you know that's that's one of the things that I really like about what Paul has given us here. He's 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 not leaving anything out. I I, I think this podcast should end right here. Then I think that's that's perfect right there. And more words will take it away from that. You need to we need to end it right there because that is the point. The proper response. Mm -hmm. It's all about knowing Christ. Yeah. So when you do know Christ, you put off on the old self, put on the new self, and you act the way you're just saying. You said there with all kind of kindness and forgiveness and compassion towards other people. And then, yeah. Well, I and here. Yeah, I think it's a great spot to end too. Unless well. you have something else, I I just think that uh, I just think what you said that was profound was good. I think this whole this whole chapter as we've been diving through and just going through the sections here, you know, I think um, you know we'll, we'll we'll lean into more in the next couple of chapters here as we look at continue to look at what what this letter is teaching us and each and every time, um, you know, the the second the faithfulness righteousness all these things you know it's all about godly characteristics that God is is creating in each and every one of us right yes yeah um, and. You know, we He's maturing us. Yeah, exactly. So, well, that's all I had for today. Anything else, Sam? No, I think that's it. Remember, proper response. And it's all about knowing Christ. And, and when you do know Christ, you put off on the old and you pick up on the new. Uh, and then you mature. Uh, you mature under this unity that God has given us, which leads to a, to a great moral life. Yeah, I think we should all have uh, that analogy of the California redwood trees. You know, think, That's, that was think, cool. Think about that, you know, underground, we're so connected. We're so, how can it be, how can we become a church that's so interconnected, that's so connected to each other, that when the enemy messes with one, he messes with all. With all of us. Uh, and when he messes with all, he can't take down us all because 
he can he can pick us off one by one if we don't if we're not careful. But when we're together, we remind each other of the truth of who we are, what God has done for us through Christ, mm. and that's why we have you know all the things that this passage talks about. You know? You're starting to talk about the spiritual warfare that we'll get into <laughs> pretty soon. Oh, we'll end it there, but uh, that's all we had. As we always say before we sign off, be blessed. Be blessed.